them, brother. It's right to go, whoo. It wouldn't even bother me a bit if somebody stood up and did like a dog pound thing. That wouldn't bother me a bit. Honestly. All these people are going, dude, get off of that, all right, please. The brown stink and stuff. Anyhow, um, listen, also, I want to I prove to you, our God, we had, we had impossibilities here. Some of those questions are like, where did they come from? What's going on? And how do you even know the answer to that? And where did that, you know what? Shadrach came through a little better for side north than Kathy did for side south, right? I'll, I'll, <laughs> but listen. We have a God who comes through on the impossibility all the time. He can be trusted. He's where our hope comes from. And we're going to talk about, we're going to continue to talk about the concept of hoping or possessing hope. And we're going to talk about looking beyond what you see today. I'm going to get rid of this. We're going to talk about, turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and then we'll, we'll, we'll get there really fast. Last time, we talked about hope, and we talked about five different points of hope. We talked about hope that it doesn't disappoint from Romans chapter 5. We talked about hope was an anchor. We talked about that was from Hebrews chapter 6. We talked about hope is an open door through a valley of trouble. And we talked about hope being a person, the person of Christ. And today, we're going to talk about, um, some of you... I gave you the synopsis in the first service last time because service went a little bit differently. You can go, on, you can go online and listen to the second service, get the whole deal if you want to um, from the last time. But um, hope is a very valuable thing in Christianity. Martin Luther, you guys know who Martin Luther was? Martin Luther, the fact that we are not worshiping today in a Catholic church, we can attribute to Mr. Martin Luther. That's the truth. Because he saw some travesties in the, in, the, in, the, in the Catholic church and realized that the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And he began to make some changes to his life that caught him, cost him a lot. And the next thing you know, he got a whole thing. He began to protest what was going on in the Catholic church. Therefore, we have Protestant churches. And the fact that we're sitting here where we're sitting today, we contribute to a guy named Martin Luther. Well, he said this about hope. Check this out, if I can get this to work. Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Hope, we talked about last time, is sometimes it's kind of, it's the hardest part to figure out sometimes. And Martin Luther says hope is a very powerful force. Everything that's done is done by hope. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse, start at verse 8. Let's look at this. Love never fails. You guys know this passage of scripture, right? But where there are prophecies... They will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I felt as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. No, I, I'll, I'm going to get ahead of myself. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, I, I shall know just as I am also known. And then he says these, these famous words from the scripture, I na- and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm not going to downplay the fact that it starts with love and ends with love. Love is very important. 
And we have a pretty good grasp on love. We have a pretty good grasp on faith. I think it's funny here in this passage of Scripture that Paul's talking about the three things that abide. And he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood a child. But when I, and I thought I was a child. But when I became a, a man, I put away childish things. You know what's funny? The world would cause you to believe that to have faith, to have hope, and to operate in love are childish things. Do they not? You actually believe that? Get away from the fairy tales, buddy. You know, do you ever hear that? Oh, yeah, love makes the world go round. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever you, you try and you try and talk about the, 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 the hardcore things in Scripture, they look at you like you're some kind of weirdo or something. Like you're the one who's childish. Like you really you, know, you need to grow up. Become intelligent. Do so. And they, but the Bible says here, Paul's talking about faith, hope, and love. And he says to actually grab a hold of these things turns you into a man. It causes you to become mature. You put away childish things of trying to figure things out on your own, and you trust and you rely in God. You put your faith, your hope, and your love in him, and all of a sudden you begin to grow up. Isn't that pretty wild? It's always backwards, isn't it? The way the world tries to get us to think is always backwards from the way God tries to get us to think. Am I right? The way, the way the world tries to get us to look at life is always backwards of the way God looks at life. And he says the most important thing, three things abide, faith, hope, and love. You know, when I, I know he's talking about predominantly 1 Corinthians 13. We know is, is, we call it the love chapter. You'll hear it read at weddings and different things like this. I think it's funny that he ends with these three things. But the whole time, kind of the undercurrent, always talking about love predominantly, he's talking about hope, I believe. Look at, the, look at the time references there. When and then. Now and then. Now and then. Two places. Then and now. He goes back and forth between this thing of what's going on now and what may happen later. He's making a, a distinction. And you know what? It's hope that motivates that. Let, 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 I'm going to show you this next thing. I, 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 was, I, I found this article about hope in, in, a, in a reference, a Bible reference that I, I don't usually use very much. And, but this article just kind of jumped off the page where we look at a different quote from it today. The, I, I, and to be honest, I, I'm, I probably, many of you probably not even, have not even heard of it. The McClintock and Strong Encyclopedia uh, says this about hope. One, one quote from it. It is one of the great elements of Christian life and character. Faith is the root. Who could draw a picture? There would be roots dangling off of this tree down forever down in here. Faith is the root. Love is the fruit-bearing stem. If I had a laser pointer or something, I'd, you see the stalk, how strong, how firm. But look at this. And hope is the heaven-reaching crown of the tree of life. Faith is the root system. Love is the stalk that brings life and, 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 and nutrients and things to it. But, but, but hope is that crown that reaches up into the heavens. You get that? Oh, man, I, I, I read that and I just, oh, I just, I got goosebumps just now trying to articulate what's going on inside. Hope is a very powerful thing. I know there's all kinds of people talking about hope in the world right now. But listen, our hope is so different than that hope. Our hope is so far beyond that hope because our hope has a solid foundation. Listen, it says here, listen to these, faith appropriates the grace of God in the facts of salvation. Would you agree? 
Faith takes what God has already said is true, and it goes, yeah, I get that. I'm, I'm on that. It appropriates the grace of God where God says it belongs. We grab a hold of faith. Love is the animating spirit of our, Christian, of our, of our present Christian life. Love. The Bible says what's, the, the scribes came to Jesus, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength. He said the second one is just like it. He said, to love your neighbor as yourself. Faith and love. Faith appropriates. Love animates. Listen to hope. Hope takes hold of the future as belonging to the Lord. I heard a guy preach a funeral message yesterday, and he said, he said, you've seen the commercials. You're in good hands with Allstate. You know what? You're in awesome hands with Jesus. Allstate's there in case something happens. Jesus is there regardless of what happens. You're in good hands with Jesus. You're in good hands. And he, whatever happens in the future, he's got it. He totally has it under control. He's totally got it together. It, but the future belongs to him. He's, you know, you know, it's amazing. There's so much of the scriptures that are about prophecy. God sees what happens tomorrow like we saw yesterday. He, he's got the future belongs to him. And because we belong to him... It belongs to us too. Future. Hope takes hold of the future as belonging to the Lord and to those who are His. The kingdom of God, past, present, future, is thus reflected in faith, love, and hope. Faith has its boundaries in what happened at the cross. Love has its work in our present everyday living. And hope is the thing that moves us forward into the future. Love appropriates God's grace. Love animates the Christian life and hope apprehends the future. I'm spitting. I'm sorry. I hate sitting in here sometimes. Sometimes that light just, and you can see it spraying everywhere. Let me read this to you. Hope is joined to faith and love because spiritual life, though present, is yet not accomplished. You get that? It stands in opposition to seeing or possessing, but it is not the mere wish or aspiration for liberation and light, which is common in all creation. He says this, nor the mere reception of the doctrine of a future life, which may be found even among the heathen philosophers. You know, there are other religions and things that believe that there's an afterlife. You guys know that, right? So we're talking about something that's beyond that. That's, a, that's a pretty common to creation to think of. But listen to this. It is beyond these the assurance that spiritual life which dwells in us here. What did Jesus say? I have come that you may have life. Here and now. And that you may have it more abundantly. But he was also telling us, going, you're going to have life in the future too. He's saying... The assurance of spiritual life, which wasn't here, will be prolonged into eternity. And then I found this line, which is really amazing to me. It says here, Christians are said to have hope rather than Christians 
a Christian hopes. Christians are said to have hope rather than a Christian hopes. You get the difference? Isn't that awesome? God is so good. I don't want you guys getting too used to movie clips and things like that, so I'm going to use one today. I'm going to talk about one. Is that right? One of my favorite movies is Lion King. You guys know that. But I'm not going to talk about that one today. I'm going to talk about the Lion King one and a half. Anybody seen it? Everybody who's got kids going, yep, we've seen that one. Lion King one and a half is kind of like this thing where you get to look behind the scenes of what really happened during the Lion King, okay? What was really going on, and it kind of centralizes and focuses in on Timon and Pumbaa. You guys know Timon and Pumbaa, you know what I'm talking about? And they get to sit in like the theater and fast forward and rewind like they're watching, like you're watching the NFL Network or something, you know, okay, this play was there, and if you're, and they kind of, you know, there's all this, this thing going on, and here's, at one point, they run into Rafiki. You know who Rafiki is? The creepy monkey guy. Okay? And look at the, the, the creepy monkey guy. And Timon is in this place where he just feels like he doesn't fit. And he's really messed his life up. He's, he's been ostracized from his family. And he's trying to figure out what life means and where it's gone. And Rafiki shows up, and is, and is, as always, and always has something weird to say. You know what I mean? And he says these words, look beyond what you see. And Timon is like, well, okay. What does that mean? He starts looking like around the tree. And all of a sudden he sees, he sees pride rock. You know, and, and, and he goes there and it eludes him somehow. But you know what happens? Eventually he finds himself living at pride rock. He begins to look beyond what he saw physically and was looking beyond. And you know what happened? The future that was intended for him begins to take shape. You know, as we as Christians, we've got to look beyond what we see sometimes. What we see sometimes will get us frustrated, will get us aggravated, will mess us up. But hope will help us to look beyond what's going on right now and grab a hold of something that's out there somewhere. Listen to this. There's a quote here in this, this McClintock encyclopedia that says this, the fruit of hope, hope, hope gives you the ability to look beyond what you see, okay? The fruit of hope, I'm going to read this quote. I'm gonna, there's a piece of it on the screen, but there's a little more I want to read to you. The fruit of hope is that through it, we are enabled patiently and steadfastly to bear the difficulties and trials of our present existence. You get that? Through hope, we are enabled patiently and steadfastly to bear the difficulties and the trials of our present existence. It goes on to say, and thus is a constant accompaniment of the believer and, is, and even is sometimes put in its place with faith and love. Listen to this next line. Christianity is the religion of hope. And it, is, and it is an essential point of its absolute character. Listen to this next line. Oh, my goodness. For whatever is everlasting and eternal is absolute. 
Whatever is everlasting and eternal is absolute. I know in our day and age where we live, there's like a lot of things that aren't absolute. Let me tell you something here today that what we have is absolute because it is beyond what happens here on a day-to-day basis. It's beyond what happens. We have a heaven as our home that Christ is drawing us towards and nothing will ever change that. His word is true and faithful. Heaven and earth will pass away. Governments will come and go. Jobs will come and go. Houses will come and go, cars will come and go, everything else will come and go, but God's word towards us will stand true and it will offer us hope every time because it is everlasting and it is eternal. And I'm wound up. Huh? To the Christian, as such, it is therefore not time, you all look at your watch, but eternity. It is not the present, but the future life, which is the object of his efforts and his hope. Think about Peter. Peter, I just, this just hit me today in prayer meeting. I, went, I ran to my office, prayer meeting was over, and started scribbling some notes. Peter is standing in the boat with all the other disciples. The winds and the waves are beating against it. It looks like it is over, big time, we are gone. And suddenly, Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. Peter says, Jesus, let me come out on the water with you, right? You know why Peter did that? Because he believed there was going to be a dawn in the morning. The rest of the disciples thought, dude, we're going to perish here in this boat. Peter said, dude, let me get out there where Jesus is, because if I can get to him, there's going to be a new tomorrow. Everything's going to be okay. And he steps out as Jesus reaches his hand towards him. Things don't always go the way we want them to. Peter begins to fall. But you know what? Peter reaches out his hand for Jesus. Jesus reaches his hand down for him. Boom, and pulls him up out of that mess. If Peter would have been consumed with what was presently going on, he had never walked out towards Jesus. Think of Paul and Silas. What gave them the ability to sing praise inside the prison was because they had hope that tomorrow would be a different day, that God was beyond their present existence, that God would take them from where they were to where he wanted them to be. I feel like I'm a, I have a vein pop out of my neck here in a minute. Listen, think of that. Think of the lady with the issue of blood. What caused her to reach out? She had hope that Jesus could change the way things have been for the last 18 years, the way they were, and she pressed through the crowd. She reached out from where she was, towards Jesus, grabbed a hold of him who is hope, and things changed. I'm sweating. Is it hot in here? Listen, think of Jacob. His life was royally messed up. He deceived his brother. He deceived his father. He was going to run for his life. His uncle has deceived him. He's trying to come back home, and suddenly he realizes, man, there's something wrong with me. I keep messing my life up. He finds himself wrestling with an angel, which I think was the Lord. But he said, I've seen the Lord. Name that place Peniel. I've wrestled with the Lord and I have prevailed. What, What caused him to grab a hold and not let go was that God could make him what he was always intended to be. He had hope that what he had always been would, did not have to stay that way. He could become something different. He could be transformed from Jacob to Israel if he could just grab a hold and keep a hold of God in the future God had for him. That's all free. Think of this, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I've got them on there. I'm sorry, let's go back. 
This is hope. Paul writes this, we do not, therefore we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction is but for a moment, but it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. We do not look at the things that are not, that which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Those things give us hope. Ephesians, check this out. We talked about how, how hope is that thing we can't grab a hold of quite very well. Therefore, Paul writes in Ephesians 1.15, I also, after I heard, that's a past reference, of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. They were actively showing love for all the saints. That's past, present. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Well, what's his prayer? Verse 18 says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened... Check this out. What's the one to understand? The one thing we could get a hold of. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the, in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? And it says, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Where? In heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named. Now listen to this. Not only in this age, but when? Also in the one which is to come. Paul says, listen, I want, I'm praying for you that you would have wisdom as to what hope really is. You're operating in faith, you're operating in love, but my prayer for you that you have revelation about hope because hope will take you from where you are to where God wants you to be, both in this life and in the life to come. Our inheritance is not just for us in the sweet by and by. Our inheritance is what God has for us in the future for, on this place. It will carry over into what God has for us in heavenly places. The angels is to come. Is that awesome? Ooh. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 5 says this. We give thanks to God always for you, Paul's writing again, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, listen to this next one, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. We are chosen for something greater. We are. We are the elect of God. Am I right? We are chosen for not mere existence. We are chosen for life and life abundantly. It is the fact that we are elect of God that we have a chance to grab a hold of hope. And Paul writes, says it's faith, your work of faith, your labor, love, and patience, and hope, knowing your election by God. Listen. Let's not only look beyond Let's get beyond. We can look all day long. We can wishfully think all day long. We can wishfully have abstract thoughts about Jesus, about faith, about love, about God, about our future. But let's not stay there. Let's, let, let's get beyond faith. Faith, here's some of you maybe like this. I've been walking in faith. I've appropriated. I, I understand that Jesus died for my sin. I, I get the fact that without him I have no hope. 
of heaven. I, I got, I've got faith. I believe he can walk me through things. I, I, I've seen him do things in the past. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to walk in love. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. I'm trying to respond to him the way he wants me to. I'm trying to respond to people the way. And yet, there's something. It's just kind of, everything's just kind of stale or whatever. You're doing those things and you still feel like you're stuck. What's going to move you beyond there? Remember, the bookends are faith and love. Right smack in the middle is hope. In fact, without hope, we can even have faith. According to Hebrews 11, verse 1. So, What's going to get us beyond? Let me read you this. Get beyond by looking to Jesus. Get beyond by looking to Jesus. The actual object of hope is Christ. There is no other object. Nothing else will give you hope. You can buy all the books in the world. You can do all the self-help stuff. You can do all, every, there, there, there are lots of things you can do, but you're never going to experience real hope without the person of Christ. Maybe some of you are sitting here today, and you, like we said, we, you, you grabbed a hold of faith. You've grabbed a hold of, you've tried to live out love, both for him and, but you, you know what? Maybe the missing link is hope. Maybe you've forsaken hope. And the only way you're going to reconnect to hope is to reconnect to Christ. We can go through all the the religious rigmarole. We can pray. We can read our Bible. We can show up to church. We can sing songs. and We can sing hymns. And we can show up when our time is ready for different ministry things. We can do all those sorts of things and yet still operate without hope. You ever been there? You're doing all this stuff. Am I right? And yet something's just not clicking. There's no momentum. See, you know, I look at hope as hope is like a propulsion system for the rest of our Christian life. Love animates, but hope moves us beyond. It grabs, it pushes us toward the future. Love gives us something here in the present to accomplish and to do, but hope pushes us on towards something else. Love is great. Faith is awesome. Hope, you've got to have all three. Love is the greatest of everything because it's, it's, it, it's the thing that pulls us close to God. He first loved us. But God said there is three things that abide, faith, hope, and love. And sometimes we grab hold of faith and love and we leave hope out. And to be, vitally, to be a vital Christian, can we go back to that one, that last quote? Not only because in him, he says, but the actual object of hope is Christ. Not only because in him we place all our dependence, but listen, but especially because it is in his second coming that the Christian's hope of glory shall be fulfilled. See, the one thing that makes it all good is that Jesus is coming. That makes it all good. See, one day there's going to be no sickness. One day, there's going to be no disease. One day, there's never going to be another tear of sorrow. 
One day, there's never going to be another ounce of depression trying to afflict your life. One day, there's never going to be a, another opportunity for Satan to come against you. One day. See, Jesus is coming. and He's going to make all of that right. He's coming. Today, if I get one thing across to you, grab a hold of the fact that one day all of this is going to change. One day the lion will lay down off the lamb. There'll never be another predator on the planet. One day, the Bible says that even children will put their hands in the nest of vipers and not have to worry about being harmed. Listen, one day our faith will become sight. Does that give you hope? One day, we'll dwell in perfect light. There'll never, ever be a darkness. There'll never be shadows. There'll never be a valley of the shadow of death. It's coming. And the one thing that gives us hope is that fact. Jesus, 1 Thessalonians, or 1 Timothy chapter 1 says this. Paul's writing, he starts out his, his epistle by saying, I'm Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes this next little statement. Our hope. Titus 2, 13 and 14, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Listen, we are waiting for that blessed hope. We are looking for it. I want you to stand with me right here, right now. We're going to do maybe something a little bit different. Nancy did something a little bit different this morning. We took up offering a little bit different this morning. I just do things different sometimes. Here's what I want you to do. I want us to pray together that we'll grab a hold of hope, that we'll actually possess hope. If your life, you're walking, you've been walking through the faith thing, you've been doing the love stuff, and yet you feel like there's no momentum, there's no propulsion, there's nothing taking you forward. What I want to do is I want to open up. I want every person in this building who just needs a reignition and a reconnection to the person of Christ where the area of hope is concerned. I want every one of you to come stand in this altar space right now. Everyone. I want to pray over every. I'm not going to pray like lay hands. I want us to pray together in unity. I want every person who needs an endowment of hope. We need an endowment of hope. Hope that will push you beyond present difficulty. Hope that will take you, that will infuse the stagnant areas of your life. Hope that will, will if, you, if you're experiencing any hint of stagnation today, even though you're doing faith, even though you're walking in love, you need hope today. I want you to come and I want to pray as a, as a functioning body together that God would give us an infusion of hope. That to, tomorrow doesn't have to be like today. That tomorrow will be better than today. And then the, the, the tomorrow after tomorrow will be better than tomorrow. Because God is with us. Listen. If you're coming, come on. Give you a chance. Do me a favor. I see some of you already doing it. Grab hands across there. The Bible says... That when they came together as one heart and one accord, then God infused a work of the Holy Spirit over top of them. Right here across this building, look. 
So many times we think we're the only person who just is stagnant. We think we're the only person who's fighting and struggling and trying to... And look around right now. There is hope for all of us. That hope is the person of Christ. I'm going to pray. And I want you to reach out with your spirit right now. And I want you to grab a hold of the person of Jesus. All right? I want you to, and as you pray, I don't want you to get self-centered and self-focused. I want you to, as we pray, I want you to pray for the person on your right and your left. I don't even care if you know their name. I don't care if you know if they're problems. I don't care if you know anything about them at all. You know what? It doesn't make a difference because God knows. I want you people who are out there who obviously must have hope, or I'm not sure if you want it, maybe, I don't know. I want you to extend your hands this way, and let's cover these, that God would infuse them with the hope that they need, all right? Let's do that. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come to you, Lord God, knowing you are our hope, and you are our shield, you are our strength, you're the sun that shines upon us. God, we may be in difficult places financially. We may be in difficult places emotionally. We may be in difficult places spiritually. We may be in difficult places relationally. But God, today is another day that we're closer to your coming and that breathes hope into us. God, we want hope to overtake our lives. We want hope to change who we are. We want hope to grab a hold and not let go. And we want to grab a hold and not let go. Jesus, the future is sure because you are with us. The future is is possible because you are with us. God, we may be looking at impossible terms, impossible situations. Things may not seem possible that they may change. But Jesus, because of you, there is always hope. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray a sweeping power of your spirit would come upon people. God, where they've given in to depression and despair and discouragement because they think it's always going to be this way, that nothing can change what's going on with them. Lord, I pray that right now, hope would overtake their hearts. I pray it would couple itself with faith and love and start a wildfire on the inside of them, God, that cannot be quenched, that cannot be stopped. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray Jesus' hope would take hold right now. Lord, just like we saw in prayer meeting this morning, God, that beautiful playground swinging in your presence, God, that bright, shining sun upon us, Lord, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, God, that swing will begin to rotate back and forth and people begin to feel the breeze of God in their hair. They would sense the smile of God through the sunshine upon their heart. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that right now your grace would be bestowed. It is enough, Lord Jesus, to bring us hope. Your scripture tells us, God, if you did not spare your own son, how will you not give us all things? It's your desire that you've given us all things richly to enjoy. God, you never desired for us to be stagnant and putrid and messed up. You desire for us to walk in abundant life. God, let hope propel us forward into that right now, right here in this place. Jesus, do it now. Jesus, grab a hold of the hearts of people. Send them out of here, Lord, with hope, with strength, with life. In the name of Jesus, wind of the Spirit blow across these people. Reignite the embers that have laid underneath the ash. 
blow now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Blow now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just say these words with me. Jesus, we grab hope. We grab you. We expect a change. We expect things to be different. And we expect you to be Lord over everything. The mountain in my life. The stagnant area in my life. The impossible area in my life. Lord, let hope grow inside of me right now. We thank you, Father. And we bless you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say, Amen. Now give God a hand clap. Reach out and grab it. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. You are good. You are great. Listen. Listen.